Hey, this is John Huseman. I'm the pastor of the Ark Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope it draws you closer to God. Enjoy the message. Well, today we're starting with this question. Does God make a difference? Does God actually make a difference? Does it make a difference to do the things that God wants me to do as far as relationships go? Does it even make a difference to do what he says financially? Does God add anything to my life? Is God real? Is God going to help me? Like, does it actually make a difference to serve God? So we're going we're gonna to be talking about this question for the next couple of weeks. But, but as we do, um, I can just tell you, he's made a difference in my life. Nothing has changed me. Nothing has added love. Nothing has added purpose. Nothing has added satisfaction. Nothing has fulfilled me like giving my life to Jesus. There's been nothing. My life has been dramatically changed because of Jesus. So sometimes when you're young, you think, oh, if you hang out with the cool kids or you date the pretty person, boy or girl, you know, whoever, you know, if I could just hang out with them or date them, or as you get older, you think, well, if I could make this amount of money, or if I could get this accomplishment, or I could get this promotion, then then I would really, 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 really feel purpose, and I would feel loved, and I would feel special, and I would feel valuable. I'm saying nothing has changed me. Nothing has added to my life like Jesus. He's given me peace. He's helped me feel valuable. He's made me feel loved. Not the pretty girl, not a certain amount of money, not accomplishments, but it's been Jesus. And so we're taking a look at this guy this morning named Nehemiah, And we're keeping this question in mind, like what difference does God make? So we're going to start Nehemiah chapter one. And there's a lot of words that I have no idea how to pronounce, but I'm just going to say them real fast because then it makes it look like I know what I'm doing. So um, we'll start Nehemiah one verse one says the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakalah. See what I did there? Just just real fast. Um, In the month of Kislev in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. Verse 3, they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, and they're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. So Nehemiah does not live in Jerusalem. He doesn't live in Israel. He's from there. He was born there. His people are from there. That's where he, his ancestors were there, families there, all that. So he's like, I want to report on how my people are doing. I know they just went through a really, really tough time. I know that they had to be exiled. They had to be kicked out. Like there's a lot of people, but there's a remnant that's still there. I want to know how are they doing? What is their state? What's their mental state? What's going on? What's going on with my people? And he gets this report. It's not good. They're in great distress. They're in great trouble. The walls are broken. The gates are broken. It's not good. They don't feel safe. They don't feel secure. Things are not good. And so you might say, well, what does that have to do? Like walls, gates, what are you talking about? Well, that doesn't mean a lot to us today. But like in Bible times, there were walls around the city. And you couldn't get in the city unless you were able to go through the gate. And so if the walls are broken and the gates have been burned down, that means like all the bad guys could just come in and steal stuff. 
and Raiders can come. And um, not Oakland, actually, not L.A. Raiders. You know, these are, these are real Raiders. Like, they, they can come in, and they can steal, and they, like, all the bad guys can come in. And they're like, we feel disgraced. We feel exposed. We feel vulnerable. We don't know. Like, we're, wa- we're, we're lying awake at night wondering, like, are we safe? Are we safe? Are we safe? Like, I don't feel safe. I don't feel secure. And so he's burdened by all this. He hears this report, and he's burdened, and he's burdened. And so verse four, it says, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept for some days. I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. His heart is so troubled. He stops everything and he begins to pray. He's not going to eat. He's not eating. He can't eat. He fasts and he prays and he's asking God for direction. What would have to happen in your life for you to get to that state? What would have to happen for you to say, I can't eat. I can't, I can't do it. I have to just seek God and pray. He's weeping. He has stopped for days and days. He's praying. He's fasting. He's trying to ask God for direction. Like what would have to happen in your life for you to get to that point? He's here. He is so troubled that his people, his, his homeland has been so disrupted, so destroyed that now at any point in time, this little remnant could be invaded. They could be destroyed. They could be harmed. Their children are exposed. They're, they're fully exposed. There's no security. There's no safety. And so he's weeping and he's praying. And I'm saying, this is where God makes a difference. When you feel broken, when you feel exposed, when you feel vulnerable, when you feel like there's no other way, this this is where God steps in and God makes a difference. This is the promise of God in Psalms 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. When you feel crushed, when you feel broken, when you feel overwhelmed, when you don't have the answers, when all you see is pain and struggle and you're like, I don't know how this is going to work. God's like, I'll come close. I'll come close. I'll come close when your heart is broken. I'll come close when you feel crushed. The promise of God is like, when you don't know what to do and you're in a really, really bad point, if you reach out to me, to God, he's like, I will come close in that moment. Some of the times I felt the closest to God is during the biggest struggles of my life. Some of the the biggest struggles, that's when I have felt the closeness of God, where I've felt him come close, where he just reminds me that he loves me. He reminds me that he's with me. He reminds me that he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. So this is where God makes a difference. Now you have to know, Nehemiah is not a full-time pastor. Nehemiah is not in full-time ministry. Like, what does Nehemiah do? Well, he's the cupbearer for the king. Now this is a dream job for a lot of you men, especially. So um, they, they, they bring a bunch of drinks to the king. And Nehemiah is like, ah, <laughs> excuse me, excuse me. Let me just make sure it's not poisonous. And he tastes it. Yeah, that one's pretty good. And then he tastes that one. He's like, hmm, that must have been. So that, that's his job. Then they bring in like steak and lobster and all this stuff for the king. And Nehemiah's like, ah, oh, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And so he tastes it. He's like, hmm, medium rare, but okay, it tastes pretty good. And then he just, this is his job. He tastes the king's food. I would love that job. So th- this, is, this is what he does. This is his main thing. But he's burdened. He's troubled, he's fasting, and he's praying, but he's not a pastor. 
And he's not a worship leader and he's not a missionary. What does that mean? It means God will put burdens and God will put ideas on your heart. God will put things that he wants you to do, even if you're not in this job or this job or this job. And you're like, isn't John supposed to do that? Isn't that his job? Like, no, actually, God's going to put you around certain people and you on a certain team. And he'll put you around a certain family and he'll put you in a group of people because he wants to use your life to minister the goodness, the grace, the life-changing power of Jesus. So he'll put ideas in your heart. And so he's put this idea in the heart of Nehemiah and he's positioned him in a way that also will bring about the glory of God. And so he has a relationship with the king and the king's like, Nehemiah, what's up, man? You're not too happy. You should be happy. The chiefs are playing on Thursday night. I mean, you should be okay. It's like, everything's good. Football season's back. Like what's going on? And Nehemiah's like, my heart's troubled. My people in Jerusalem, they've been exiled. They've been kicked out. They've been exposed. Like it's not good. There's a little remnant left, but they're not safe. And so the king's like, what do you want to do? And he's like, I feel like I'm supposed to go back and help. I feel like I'm supposed to do that. I I don't really, I'm not a general contractor, but I feel like I'm supposed to be the one that enacts change. God has placed this on my heart to go do this. And the king says, okay, you have my blessing. But he doesn't just stop there. The king says, actually, give me a second. And the king goes back and he gets all this documentation. He's like, he's like, here's a building permit. Here's a demo permit. Here's every document you need so that you can be successful. I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to resource it. I'm going to make sure you can do the thing that God wants you to do. That's God. That's where God makes a difference. You have had times in your life where you're like, it is a miracle that I happen to be at this time in this relationship for that person to come aside and do, that's God. That is the miraculous hand of God on his life. And a lot of you know the verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. We have to acknowledge the hand of God. We have to say, God, thank you. Thank you for the idea. Thank you for the relationship. Thank you, you've put me around these people. Thank you that you have given me an opportunity. Thank you, God, that you have a plan and a purpose for my life. Thank you, God, for that friendship. Thank you for that relationship. Thank you for my children. Thank you, thank you. Acknowledge, 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 acknowledge what's happening. You're making God big. You're magnifying the Lord. He's big, he's great. He's able to do miracles. He's able to do more than what you could ever ask or think or imagine. And so you acknowledge, acknowledge, acknowledge. And then the truth of it is, James 1.17, it says, every good and perfect gift comes from our Father. Everything good in my life, everything good in my life, God, it's from you, it's from you, it's from you. And so you're magnifying God, you're making him great, you're making him big. And so this is what Nehemiah does. And so Nehemiah, because God has positioned him in this place, now he not only is going to go back there, but he has been equipped, he's been resourced He has the building permit. He has all the documents he needs to do the thing that God's called him to do. This is where God makes a difference. God can put people in your life that no one else can. God can bring people alongside of you. We were starting this church 
And I was trying to be on the setup teardown team and, and get a truck and get it here and all that. And I, we, we, it was, I don't know how to do that. And we, thankfully, Chris Boucher was helping me, but he didn't have a truck big enough. And there's a guy in our church named Tim Oaks. And he said, can, can I help you with that? And I said, you're from the Lord, aren't you? You are from the, he's got this big truck that works. And he's like, I'll get the trailer. I'll handle all that stuff. Like, what is that? That's God working for us, putting the right people in place to help us do the work and do everything. I didn't have to go to the storage unit and I didn't have to try to figure out how to put the dealie in the dealie and get it all to work. I didn't have to do any of that. That's the hand of God. That's the goodness of God. And so now Nehemiah is like, okay, okay, I'm going to go do this thing. I feel called to do it, but I can't just like go out and proclaim this is what God wants me to do. I got to do some investigation. So we'll, we'll continue on and we'll read the story. This is Nehemiah 2, starting in verse 11. He said, I went to Jerusalem and after staying there for three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I would not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. You don't just go out and say, this is what God's going to do. No, you're careful. You make steps. You do research. You're looking, right? Okay, so he's, he's looking. He's doing this. There were no mounts with me, except the one I'm riding on. He's the only one riding a horse is what that means. Uh, by night, I went through the, the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through it. It was so broken down, he couldn't even get a horse through it. He couldn't move through it. This is, the, this is what things are like. There's so much destruction. There's so much debris. They can't even move through it. Verse 15, so I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and I re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because as yet I said, I said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or the officials or any others who would be doing the work. So he's examining, he's praying. He's getting information so that he can be able to share the vision that God gave him. Verse 17, then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. Then they replied, let us start rebuilding. So the work began. So he goes through and he examines. He's got this dream in his heart. He's got this idea in his heart, but he examines and he examines and he examines and he, he's learning and he's listening. He's asking questions. And then he says, let us, we, we can do this together. We can join hands. We can join arms. We can do this thing for God. And let me tell you about what God's already done for us. Let me tell you how God's already moved on our behalf. Let me tell you. Let me show you the, the, the building permit. Let me show you the demo permit. Let me show you all the documents. God's already moving for us. There is a God that cares. There is a God that loves us. There is a God that is helping us. Because these people feel like there's nobody. These people feel like God's forgotten me. These people feel like we're supposed to be God's people. And this happened. And this happened. Where's God? We're in Jerusalem. We're in the city of God, but where is God? Sometimes God will send you. Sometimes you are the person that rebuilds. You are the person that rebuilds faith. You're the person that rebuilds hope. 
You're the person that reminds people, this is what God says. This is what God does. God has sent me from this country all the way over here to come back to remind you, this is your calling. This is your purpose. This is who you are supposed to be. So I know you're in a bad time right now. I know you're going through a struggle right now, but I'm here sent by God to add faith, to add courage, to add love. This is who we are as the people of God. Now, when COVID hit, our whole world stopped. I've never been through anything like that. I wasn't alive during the Great Depression, but that, the whole world stopped. And there's a couple of phases that people found themselves in. There was, there was like a response phase. And am I allowed to go to school? No. Am I allowed to? Yeah. Am I allowed to go to work? Am I allowed to, am I allowed to be six feet apart? Am I not? What am I supposed to? Can I go to a restaurant? Can I not go to? Like, rules are changing constantly, and I have to respond. And there's fear and there's anxiety and there's uncertainty, but I'm just, I'm responding. I'm responding. I'm responding. Then life moves a little bit where things are settled. And then it's like a rebuilding phase and we can go back to work and we can go back to school and we can rebuild processes. And I'm trying to have a belief that I'm safe and I have a belief that I'm not going to die and I'm not going to get like, I'm trying to rebuild. I'm trying to rebuild. I'm trying to have hope and I'm trying to, I'm trying to build up strength. I'm trying to build up. And then eventually you get to the redeem phase where you see how God redeems it and you see how God has a purpose in it and you see how God was able to help you through a really difficult time. So a great question for you to ask yourself today is what, what phase am I in? Am I still in a phase where there's fear, there's uncertainty, there's doubt, there's bitterness, there's resentment? I still think about all the loss. I still think about everything that didn't go right. I still think about how it shouldn't have been this way or it didn't, I didn't deserve this. Like, are are you in this phase right now? Are you in this phase where you're rebuilding and you're taking steps towards God and you're taking steps and you're saying, I'm going to take a step. I'm going to take a step. I'm going to take a step. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to do the thing that he's asked me to do. He's laid this thing on my heart to do and I'm going to do it. Some of you are doing that. That's why you're here. Because you felt like God said, you need to go to church. You felt like God said, you need to worship. You need to. You need. It's like you're doing that. And then there's, there's some of you that you're in this phase right here, the redeem phase. God used me as a vessel to help redeem all the stuff that was lost. Like this is where Nehemiah finds himself. I want to be part of the solution. God, send me wherever you want to send me. Put a, put a burden on your heart where you care for those people over there and I will go and I'll do the thing that you've asked me to do. This is who we want to be as a church. This is who we want to be. But in order to get people motivated, in order to get people on board with the hand of God, the goodness of God, the, the, the grace of God, you know what we don't say? We don't say, you better turn or you're going to burn. We don't say that. Some of you grew up that, hearing that, every Sunday. Well, if you don't go to confession, you're going to hell. Well, if you don't come to church, you're going to hell. Well, if you don't do this, well, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. And you start to believe God's mad at me or God doesn't like me. I remember I would have friends spend the night. I'm like, you know, I don't know, third, fourth, fifth grade, something like that. And at the very end of the night, I'd be like, do you know where you're going if you die tomorrow? (laughs) why does nobody want to spend the night at the Huseman house? I, <laughs> I, I would, 
I'd be like, do you know where you're like, I want to be in heaven with you. We could play Super Mario Brothers together. We could play basketball together, but I need to know that you're going to heaven. Like I was, I don't know. I was kind of like trying to scare all my friends into going to heaven. But Nehemiah had a different approach. It says Nehemiah talked about the gracious hand of God on his life. You might not know this, but it's the grace of God. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. Let me show you what it says in Romans 2. This is Romans 2, 4. It's God's word translation. It says this. Do you have contempt for God who is very kind to you, puts up with you, and deals patiently with you? Don't you realize it is God's kindness that is trying to lead you to him and change the way that you think and act? Don't you realize it's God's kindness towards you? It's God's kindness. He's reaching out to you with love. He's reaching out to you with grace. He's reaching out to you with kindness. He's standing there. He's standing there. He's, he's right at your door. Actually, the Bible says, I stand at the door and knock. He's just knocking. He's like, John, will you let me in? John, will you let me come in and feel that hurt and feel that pain? John, will you let me come into your life and give you purpose? John, will you let me come into your life so you can experience real love and real purity and real... John, will you let me in? Will you let me in? And he's just knocking. He's not going to force his way into my life. He's not going to force his way into your life. But if you open the door, he'll come in. And it makes a huge difference. But we got to be people that we talk about the goodness of God, the grace of God. You look at scripture and you see Jesus and, and there's, a, there, there's a Samaritan. You know the story of the good Samaritan. A lot of you know that. Well, there's a guy on the side of the road and then there's three people that walk by. You know, Jesus never says he shouldn't have been out at that time of night. He shouldn't have been walking there. Well, I wonder what he said. I wonder what he was dressed like. I wonder what he was doing that, that he shouldn't. Jesus doesn't care about that. He's like, we got to help this guy. We got to get him out of the ditch. We got to get him into a place where he can know that he's cared for, that he's loved, that there's healing, that there's help. Jesus just wants to get people out. He's not sitting there judging how they got in or what they did wrong or what they said. No, no. Jesus had a woman caught in the act of adultery and, and they just bring her right up. He doesn't say, well, don't you know that's wrong? Don't you know the law says? Don't you know, don't you know, don't you know? Serves you right, serves you right. Jesus isn't doing that. Jesus is like, I want to bring healing to your life. He's like, I don't want you to sin anymore. I don't want you to feel that way anymore. I want you to know that there's something better. There's something greater. There's something more in store for you. So it's not that we're telling people how bad they are. We're judging them like, well, why'd you do that? Well, why are you thinking that? Well, were you dressed a certain way? No, no, no. We're saying we have something that makes a difference. It's God inside of us and he loves us and he cares about us and he wants to use you to make a difference. And if you let him, he will put burdens on your heart where only you can make the difference. It's not being a missionary. It's not being a worship leader or a pastor. It's like you can make a difference. God has a calling and a purpose on your life. So he'll use you. He'll do it. Sometimes it looks like it's so overwhelming. And sometimes it seems like it's just impossible. Well, I like this story about the starfish. And there's a boy and he's walking along the ocean and he's on a beach and there's thousands of starfish just spread out all along the beach. And he looks 
And about 100 yards down, he sees an old man walking along. And that old man is just slowly stooping down, grabbing a starfish and just throwing it back in the ocean. And he just keeps doing it one after another. And the young boy comes up and he, he says to the old man, why are you throwing starfish in the ocean? And the old man says, well, because the sun is up, the tide is going out. And if I don't throw them in, they're, they're gonna die. And the, the boy's like, don't you realize there's miles and miles of starfish? Don't you realize like, you can't really make a difference. You can't even save all these. Like, don't you realize this is kind of a waste of time? And the old man just like stoops down and he grabs one and he just throws it back in the ocean. And he says, it made a difference for that one. It made a difference for that one. And so you don't have to rebuild the whole entire wall. You don't have to say, am I supposed to build this whole entire wall? Am I still supposed to repair that gate, that gate, that gate, that? No, no, no. You just say, God, you use me to repair the wall in front of my house, in front of my family, in front of my workplace, in front of my, like, I will do my part to be a builder. I will do my part to tell people about the difference of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God. I'll do my part to answer the calling and the purpose that you have for me. There's a great need that our world has to know that Jesus loves them, to know that Jesus cares about them, to know that there's a God that will come and meet you in your brokenness, in your pain. We have a job to do and God will use us and God will help us. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you for your hand on our life. Thank you for the calling and the plan and the purpose that you have on people's lives. God, I don't know what they all are, but you know. You know the plans. You know the purposes. You know the things that you've called people to do. So God, would you help us? Help us have the courage, the strength, the faith to do the things that you've asked us to do. That we make a difference. That loving people makes a difference. That being kind makes a difference. That talking about the goodness of God, the grace of God, that magnifying God in our life makes a difference. That God, you do, you make a difference. So give us courage, give us strength, give us wisdom. As your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, maybe you're here today. Maybe you've, you've never asked Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you did that a long time ago, but you just, you find yourself today saying, it's time for me to come back. It's time for me to rededicate my life today. I'm not gonna have you stand up. I'm not gonna have you come to the front, but I wanna pray with you right there, right where you're seated. So if today you want prayer, I wanna do something very simple. You're just gonna slip up your hand and then we're gonna pray over you. So if today's your day, today you're saying, I'm dedicating my life to God for the first time or the first time in a long time, just slip up your hand and say, pray for me, pray for me. Yep, 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 pray for me. Yep, 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 pray for me. Good, 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 good. God sees your hand, God sees your heart. You can put your hands down. Let's say this prayer together, repeat after me. Say, dear God, I ask you to come into my life and to be my Lord and to be my savior. I confess that I've sinned, but I'm asking you to forgive me, to heal me and to redeem me. Today, God, I dedicate my life to you. I will live for you. I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus name. Amen and amen. Can we celebrate life change today? I love that every week we see people say, I want more of God in my life. So two things before we leave today. One is if you raised your hand, tell somebody, tell somebody, hey, I'm dedicating my life to God. Today I dedicated my life to God. So tell somebody and then just keep coming back. 
So keep coming back to a place where you can be around a community of believers that will help you grow closer to God. So today we have Next Steps. It will start in about 15 minutes. So if you want to come to Next Steps, we'd love to have you here. And let's take all the boxes. So take a box. Let's love on some kids. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you next week at 930 or 11. Have a great Sunday.